This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? Oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank uh, you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergeff. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast once again today on these Fridays. Jeff Ash is uh, joining us. There's volleyball on the docket this weekend, a lefty, so you'll be on the road again, just not yet. Uh, but uh, some plans for you this weekend. Yeah, this afternoon, be headed towards Sioux Falls, one of my favorite places to go to. I love when we're home, um, which yeah. I think everybody does. Home but, games are nice, yes. Yeah. Uh, went to Duluth and back, if you remember, last Friday, yep. just in one day. and So you pile on the miles. But um, as we've been chronicling every Friday here, this is my last run, so I'm trying to enjoy it all. And um, we have been taking on literally teams in the top 10 in the nation every night and i don't want to say we get a little break but we're playing teams that are maybe in a little bit of the lower half of our conference this weekend so uh-huh. hoping that we can have some success we lost a tough one on tuesday night at smsu they're ranked i don't know seventh in the nation or something and we were up 24 21 in the fourth set and ended up losing so Shucks. that would have put it pushed it to five sets which would have been kind of fun but yeah but, yeah, so, I mean, we're right there. We're battling with some of the best teams in the nation, which is pretty cool volleyball. And, um, I have to give a shout-out to all the people that come and support Piper. She must have had, I don't even know, 10, 15 people. You know, it was nice. It was close in Marshall. But some people I get to see her play once a year and um, just lots of friends and family and stuff. So it's pretty neat when you see that. Yeah. It makes you pretty thankful for things. So I'm looking forward to another fun weekend. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, good luck to her uh, and uh, safe travels. While you're headed well, over there. One other thing, Todd, one other thing that you might be interested in, it is, I think we've talked just a little bit about it, and you've maybe read about it, but Augustana now has Division One men's hockey. Oh. And they're building a whole new arena, which is right across from where uh, Piper and her team play. Okay. But um, they open up this weekend, so they are opening up actually on the road in, at Wisconsin. So, I mean, they're right in the thick of it, so it's kind of cool. Um we had a tailgate a few weeks ago, and some of the hockey players showed up, so it was kind of neat to talk to those guys and yeah. um, be able to follow them a little bit. So it's kind of exciting when you're around a, a program that's like an inaugural season, so it'll be fun to see. It's been fun to see the the uh, arena come up, and I'm sure a town like Sioux Falls will embrace that, so kind of neat to see. No doubt. When did and they be? When did they be? Mankato, too, so that'll be kind of fun to see Augie play against old Kate Bolson down there at yeah, and the Mavericks too. So lots of fun stuff. When do they become D one? Uh, well, they're right right when they start their D one. So just the, just the hockey program. So kind of like Mankato right. is. So when just do, the hockey program is D one? When, when did they become D one in hockey? Well, this is like their first season. Oh, right? first season doing wow. that. Wow. Yep. Yep. They just started a program. They never had a program. Oh, they never even had a men's hockey program, and they're going no, straight no. into D one. Yep, right wow. into the fire. Well, there isn't D2, so... Oh, I, I suppose that's right. It, yeah, it's kind of different there, but... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm interested. Uh, I know my wife this morning, she said, well, I w- wonder if I should keep this or give this to Piper, and she pulls out a, <laughs> a dang Augie hockey jersey. She is... Yeah, she's kind of a super fan, whatever it is, but here <laughs> she has this big hockey, <laughs> hockey jersey. I said, I feel like that's going to be hanging in your closet, so that might... 
be a good gift for your daughter at August. <laughs> now, so. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, you know, pretty exciting to see the Twins win a playoff series. It's been oh, a long yeah. time, 2002, since the last time they won a playoff series. It helps that it's a three-game series, of course, so they can jump out on somebody pretty quickly. And they got a good matchup with uh, Toronto. You know, I know Gosman is a pretty good pitcher, but but I was I was just thankful when the uh, Toronto manager pulled Jose Barrios after three innings in in game two. He was he was lighting up the Twins. They weren't laying a glove on him, and all of a sudden he's out of the game. Yeah, I was talking with Carter about that, and he said it was some analytics thing. Like yep. they had that decided days before that was what was going to happen. Yep, forty some pitches. That's yep. just odd. Yeah. yeah, I don't. That's that's odd. Yeah, I don't. I don't I, get I th- that at all. But yeah, thank you. I think you lose your team a little bit that way. There has to be something about managing a game during the game, not making decisions right. like you referenced potentially two or three days earlier. Uh, that's some of the reporting. We don't know that that's specifically what happened, but certainly it happened before. They didn't make that call in the game because Barrios was lights out. He was pitching as well as as he's pitched, and all of a sudden he's coming out of the game. Not that bringing in Kikuchi is, is – he's a good pitcher, but, boy, Barrios was sure tough. And I think you lose your players when you just say, we're going by the numbers, it doesn't matter how you're performing today. I can't believe Barrios was thrilled about coming out of the game or his teammates. Yeah, what would be the difference than taking your number three hitters two for two and saying, nope, we decided you were going to get two at-bats. Yeah, you know, right. It's like, you're like, what? You know, yeah. I don't. I have a hard time believing some of those players that have, you know, brought been brought up in baseball their whole life, which these managers have too, I guess. But yeah. that they uh, are bought into that stuff. They're like, if he's going, let him go. You know, let just let him go and let him figure it out. And he's, you know, he's doing well, and we need to win this game. So, but yeah. I guess that's what they thought was their better option. But yeah, I was yeah, watching. I, I was watching oh, no, a little baseball ahead. tonight uh, with some of their analysts that they have on there. And they don't think the manager was involved in that. They think it was the front oh. office told him, uh, you will pull Barrios at this certain point and, and make the Twins flip their lineup over to face a left-hander. Because you may recall that at the beginning of the year, the Twins couldn't hit left-handers. But uh, since the All-Star break, the Twins had a higher OPS against left-handed pitching than any team in the American League. So they have been hitting left-handers. So the information that they went on was a little flawed. And and yeah. from what they were saying on Baseball Tonight was that they really believed that that was a front office decision that the manager uh, had to do what he was ordered to do. That's interesting, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I'd have a hard time buying into that one, too. I know. And I was watching a lot, I've been watching a lot of Baseball Tonight, too, lately, because I'm interested to see yeah. what they think of the Twins. And there's, yeah. there's a lot of support for the Twins, and it's not yeah. like false, like, Right. Oh, I think there's some great story this year, you know, and who knows they could do it. No, they're more like um, they're for real as yeah. far as their pitching goes. Yep. I mean, best closer. Uh, we got things that we're talking about that are good and best and twins this year, Todd. We haven't been able to talk about for a long time. The pitching in <laughs> particular. Right. I mean, and, and the way we handled those games as far as not giving up a lot of runs, making some big plays with guys on base, you know, the pickoff, but also that, that throw to home to get that runner um, Correa sidearm throw from yep. kind of in the hole there. That was a that was a great play. Nobody talked that much about it, but I was well, like, I don't that know. was not an easy play. I, all I saw was talk about it, so we must be watching oh, different things. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> I probably didn't follow enough, and I let's right. ban that one from the from the record. <laughs> I uh, here's my take on that though. Yes, terrific play. He got the guy out at home. 
But if you watch the play from behind home plate, you see that really Correa was asleep at the switch to begin with. He was shifted mm. towards second base uh, for the play. Now, you know, uh, as soon as that ball is hit, every infielder should know exactly where they're going because they've played it in their mind before it actually happens. You are supposed to be preparing that way. So the ball is chopped up the third baseline. He should have immediately, because of where the runners were and the situation, been covering behind Polanco at third base. That's his base when the ball is hit. And when you watch it, he doesn't do that. He doesn't actually move until the ball is past Polanco. But I think if he actually plays it correctly, which I'm saying he did not, uh, then mm-hmm. then we don't get the out because I think Bichette holds at third base. Bichette only rounded third and headed for home because he saw Correa lollygagging on it a bit. He didn't anticipate yeah. Correa being able to make the play that he did. Still a great play. It should not in any way be compared with Jeter's play in the World Series where he was the third backup guy. That was an instinctive play. What Correa did was he was asleep on the play, but his athleticism uh, wound up saving the day for the Twins. On that Ended up being in the wrong place at the right time. He was. That's exactly <laughs> right. And uh, so they got him. Anyway, still a good play, but uh, I don't want to give it too much credit. Uh, and it's... So- and it's fun to see, you know, Royce all of a sudden just literally just step into the spotlight. Like, yes. this is going to be my team, and I am going to be an all-star. And yep. I if am he... going to lead because all of a sudden Correa is like, you know, second fiddle or whatever. As far as leadership goes, I realize he hasn't had that great of a year, but it was just neat to be. I'm sure his jerseys flew off the yeah. shelves after that if they already hadn't. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's, when guys step into that, and obviously like the first player ever to hit two home runs, in their first two postseason at bats, but when you see that, it's just like you kind of know. And we've seen guys like that all throughout different playoffs. Yeah, you're just like, oh, okay. I mean, like, of course, like Joe Burrow, not such the NFL, but you could just see that moxie that he had when he got in the playoffs. He's like, yep. yeah, I'm, you know, whatever they're calling, you know, Burrowhead and whatever else. It's like that's the kind of guys you need on your team. That's my argument against Kirk. You know, it's like you need those guys that when they get in those moments they're bigger than the moment. You know, yeah. like they they just carry you. I was watching a Brett Favre TikTok a little while ago too and I had dang goosebumps just listening to him talk and yeah. you know, you kinda of think of how he was brought up and just all these guys when they get into that um when they get into those scenes it's like what are they drawing on for them to be so so much better in that moment than others. And there's all kinds of guys we could list in all kinds of sports, but that's what you need on your team in order to win the championships and to to you know, take that next step because it isn't just about him. It's going to then make the rest of them. And granted, he's a young guy, but sometimes yeah. that's the way it is. Yeah, that's but right. It makes makes the rest of them believe. Like, dang, we can do this. You know, if if he can do this, I need to step it up. You know, and then you start setting expectations for everybody. And yeah, I think that's right now we're not some pipe dream, and that's what's cool about it for me. Because even like when we got in those playoffs before, and you said, "Well, it's only a three game series," and I almost interrupted and said, "Yeah, but if it would have been the Yankees, we would have." thought we were getting swept you know yeah, it's like yeah so it's just like i feel like we've got something going here that's really good and i guess yeah. you got to give rocco a little credit the front office and everything else but yeah I, and i've been but, critical of the front office because they haven't been able to to develop their own pitching but boy they really put together a pitching staff here now it's mostly through trades and free agency mm-hmm. um but yep. hey, however you get it done uh is fine by me this is the best pitching staff the twins have had for many years, uh, if you take the staff as a whole. Duran now, is ours, though, right? Huh? Duran is ours? Yeah. 
Uh, uh, no, they traded for him when he was in the oh, minor yeah. leagues. Yep, but he okay. was he was a minor leaguer, so he's basically the Twins guy. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, when you trade for a guy when he's still in the minors, yeah, I mean, he's basically right. your guy. They maybe don't have a Johan Santana. Uh, they maybe don't have a Justin nope. Verlander, but they have pretty doggone good front of the rotation starters, and the bullpen is is, is the best bullpen I think the Twins have probably ever had. Yeah, that's that would be a hard one to argue as far as going back twenty some years at yeah. least. It definitely is, and um, we've talked about that over the years with you know how we see all these other bullpens. You know, they're all clipping a hundred miles an hour and just got this nasty stuff, and then we're we're throwing in guys that are throwing yeah. sidearm and hoping Summers. to get to ninety two, and it's like yeah. this is not going to last against these hitters. These hitters are so crazy. Yeah, and I think what's so cool about I was talking about this the other day. Um, whatever it is and whatever they do the way they amp up the crowd shots and how they get it's just so almost interactive when you're watching the major league baseball playoffs yeah because if if you would just tune in to you know a, a random baseball game during the season it just seems like it's about the players so much oh yep there's a foul ball over there but it's like they're in these fans pockets you know yeah. there's so much energy and I get everybody's a little bit more hyped up, but the way they broadcast it and the way they capture all of that stuff, it is hard not to get caught up in it. And then throw the twins into it, you're just like, geez, get me there. You know, this is so awesome. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm really considering going to one of those playoff games. Uh, hopefully yeah. they have more than one uh, coming up uh, this week. They play Tuesday game three, game four on Wednesday, if necessary here in a, in a best out of five. I, I'm really thinking about going on Tuesday. It kind of depends on the weather. And like you just said, they do such a great job covering it on TV. It's kind of hard to spend the money and the time uh, to go down when you know it's such a great view on TV. Especially now, I have to admit, I was not against the, uh, uh, in favor of a pitch clock. Uh, when they said that was coming in. I'm a bit of a purist that way. I love baseball because it's the only game that doesn't have a clock, that isn't beholding to time. But I have to mm-hmm. admit, after watching a full season and now into the playoffs with the with the rules and speeding up of the game and, and the added stolen bases by making the bases larger and, and restricting the number of times guys can throw over to first base, I, I, I think that the rules changes are all working to the benefit of the game. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Um, it's good to be able to look at it. And I was talking about that with Carter, too, because I said, you know, I wasn't 100% sure how much shorter the games were, and he said that he thought it was about 30 minutes or something. Yeah, so it is. that's yep. a big chunk of time when you – and there was a lot of wasted time in there. Granted, when it gets into the playoffs, do I like see, do I like seeing some of that stuff? Between Let the, the drama build. And the hitter yep. And, yep. You know, just all of that build up and stuff, too, but – um, I think they can still have that and still have that effect because from what I watched, like with the Phillies and, and stuff like that, I mean, it was, I was just like, I am into this right now, you know, and I yeah. watched them all season. So yeah. I was just like, and I'm, it's kind of sad for me is I felt like I knew as many of the Phillies guys as some of these twins. I got to get caught up here on some of these <laughs> players' names and, <laughs> and everything. And that's just being honest about it. I mean, it, I'm the kind that can catch up really fast and yeah. really get on that bandwagon. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited for him, and I love the fact that we have some pitching to fall back on. It's not, and I, I like how we play. I mean, defensively, we're pretty good. Um, we move our guys around a little bit, so sometimes I think it. I know A Rod was saying that too. That actually not having Polanco at second and having him at third, you know, doesn't really make our defense any better. But no, um, there's just I really like our center fielder, you know, and that's saying that over Buck. But I mean, he does such a good job out there. Yeah, uh, we're. 
we don't have like a bunch of holes, and it isn't like you get seven, eight, nine. And you're like, well, here's three outs. You know, it's just, no, I don't know. the lineup we're is just deep. A good baseball team. We're yeah, just a good baseball team. Yeah, yep. that's right. Hey, uh, quickly about the Ryder Cup here. Uh, team USA beaten in Europe. Not a huge shock. I uh, thought they would win. Pounded. You know, I thought they had a deeper roster uh, than the Europeans, but but they didn't, and uh, they took a beatdown. Uh, it was embarrassing, really. The U.S. has yeah. lost uh, what they're four and twenty in those alternate shot matches or foursomes, they call it, uh, over the last three Ryder Cups in Europe. They've lost the foursomes twenty to four. Now that's the the most uh, team element is in the foursomes where they alternate shots, and Team USA just can't get it done right. Yeah, uh, as good a guy as I'm sure Zach Johnson is, I don't think he's going to be coming anywhere near um, coaching, managing the Ryder Cup from here on out. I don't, I don't know. You know, even leading up to some of his selections, and you can go both ways on those. Um, his captain picks, if you want to say, but then yeah. I'm continually putting out Jordan Spieth, and I'm a Jordan Spieth fan, but that dude was struggling. Oh man. my he gosh, was, <laughs> he was hitting it all over the lot. And and we made a little bit of a run on Sunday, so I think that took just a tad bit of the heat off. I mean, there's plenty of heat, so not really, but yeah. but I mean, we were um, kind of the laughing stock of the sports world there for a couple of days. We were just like, "What is actually going on here? These guys are brutal." Yeah, and uh, I mean, of course, within there's a couple of guys that did fine, but I and you know how he can just continually puts the same guys out together and stuff too. I was just like, "Are you going to mix something up, or what right. are you going to do? Or are you just standing by that?" Like, you're just digging your grave here, and I don't know. I mean, it was frustrating for me, partly just selfishly from being a fan. Yeah, I wanted to watch a close match. I wanted to watch a drama. I wanted us to win, but I was, like, totally disengaged from it, other than kind of the drama part of it. I'm like, how bad is this going to be? Do I want to see us just get pummeled just to see the storyline here? Because we're not coming back. So, um, you know, it was just like, this is bad. Yeah. And you'd turn it on, and, I mean, uh, the three Europeans, they'd drive it down the middle. Our guys would be off in La La Land with their drives, you know, just like they just couldn't figure it out. And I know, like, Max Homo was great, and some of the guys were, were good, but collectively it was a bad, bad deal. And I just felt like Zach just was in over his head or something. I don't know. It just, I don't know. He did, it didn't give me that feeling that he had any sort of an edge. I thought Luke Donald was, like, on another level as far as the way he spoke, the control that he had of the entire situation all the time. I just... I was very impressed with him. I was impressed with his speech when they had the opening games or whatever you call it, opening ceremonies. Yep. But just the way he carried himself the whole time, he just like, yep, that's the manager right there. Yep. And it's always easy for us hot rods, you know, to break it down and criticize and whatever. But I just thought he just seemed out of his element. Like it just wasn't his thing that, you know, maybe it wasn't the right pick for being the manager guy, captain, whatever. Yeah, the captain. I, I you know, it, we can, I, I suppose if they had won, but that's easy to say that we wouldn't be yeah. second guessing. But, but, but uh, the other thing about the Europeans is they set up their golf courses so that they have an advantage. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they knew through analytics study that the U.S. was way better in the wedge game. So all of their par fours were either really long or really short. I think they had four drivable par fours. Well, the reason for that uh, was that they didn't want to have uh, wedges because they couldn't win yep. if the U.S. So that being said, why did the U.S. team continue to try and drive every par four that was reachable and hit it into these ridiculous spots that they couldn't get up and down from, so they made pars and bogeys on those? Why didn't they hit a seven iron off the tee and a wedge to six feet and knock in your birdie? Because they're looking to for the drive on the par four to try and make an eagle. You weren't doing that. 
stop doing no. it. But they never did. All through the weekend, they just kept trying to drive it on all these short par fours, and they got whipped uh, doing that. Uh, Lefty, yeah, we got to go. We're all out of time. Okay. Uh, appreciate it. Hey, good luck this weekend at Augie. Thanks, Todd. I'll talk to you soon. Jeff Ash joining us here on the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.